Hello and welcome to Five Questions with Steve Moulter. That's me. Elizabeth Trainer is a writer, speaker, and an avid runner based in Boston. At 24, she lost one of her closest friends to cancer and weeks later broke her hip during a marathon, which caused her to spiral into a deep depression. Though she struggled heavily during that period, she managed to find an outlet through writing about her grief, trauma, and her recovery. Her writing has been featured in Self Magazine, Better Homes and Gardens, Fitness Magazine, Women's Running, among others. Elizabeth and I chatted about the fear of abandonment, coping with loss in the face of grief, feeling hopeful about family, and a bunch of other intriguing topics. Oh, and of course, she answered five questions. Meet Elizabeth. What is your greatest fear? Oh, wow. That's what you're going to start with? Yeah, That's I start a with big the easy one. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just right <laughs> off the bat. Super simple. My greatest fear. I think my greatest fear is being like left or abandoned. I have like a very hard, t- I have a very hard time being alone and not necessarily, I value my alone time. And I think that, that when you say that, it sounds, sounds a little bit like you're very clingy or needy or emotional. And it's not that I like my nights alone. I, I you know, I'll spend entire days by myself, but more visualizing my life without other people that I care about. I think that is something that I have a really hard time thinking about and so when I find my people, I tend to hold them very close um, because I think it's rare to find people that you connect with that also care about you. Um, and I mean, you know some of my stories, so you know that I've experienced loss. And so I think once you go through loss, you become extremely fearful of ever experiencing it again, mm-hmm. or at least I have. Um, so I think being left, and that's in every sense of the word, right? It's in people deciding they don't want to be in my life anymore. People dying people moving um just having people that i love somehow depart my day-to-day i think Mm -hmm. is something that i'm afraid of and so do you so i've actually never had like a major experience like you have as far as losing someone Mm -hmm. um but i've been on the other side of it with my own health issues so i'm curious if you can talk about what that loss looked like to you and kind of piggybacking on this idea of loneliness how did you cope with the loneliness you felt and if you can briefly talk about what happened if that's okay yeah yeah um about this specific instance um and then talk about the loneliness you coped with once that took place sure so when i was 24 i lost one of my closest friends to cancer and it was i think once somebody's diagnosed that possibility is always in the background that they might not make it out the other side but it was unexpected in the way that she was always told one round of radiation you're gonna be fine and so we all kind of went into it thinking like you know it's that cliche well if you're gonna get cancer this is the cancer you want you know and so and so that was what we all thought and you add on top of that I was 24 I thought I was invincible I thought my friends were invincible um and so when we lost her it was sort of this double whammy of a I just you know I just lost somebody that I really love for the first time in my life and what do I do with this but b like oh my god like I'm no one's invincible, not even 24 year olds that are in the prime of their life. Um, it was really hard. It was one of the hardest things I've ever been through. And I think it, I didn't because I didn't know how to handle it. Mm. There's no roadmap for grief and and nobody talks about grief. And that's that's something that I I threw myself into um, was the fact that nobody talked about it. So I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. So backing up right after. Um, so my friend's name was Becky. So right after we lost Becky, I didn't deal with it mm, <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um, 
I did a lot of running. I ran to the point that I got injured. Right. Um, I drank too much. Um, I went out a lot. There was like a couple months where I would just, I would just exist to exist. So I would, I would go to work and then I'd go out at night. I get home at two or three in the morning, and because I was twenty four, I could wake up at six a.m. Yeah, like shower, get into work the next day, eat a bagel, not have a hangover. At this point in my life, that is not a thing that happens anymore. <laughs> it gets worse. Trust <laughs> oh me. my god, it's like multiple days, you <laughs> yeah, know. Totally. Um, so that was kind of what what happened there. So I didn't really like totally deal with it right away. Right. So then, as you know, that kind of happened, and then I was injured. So yeah, I right. was. I, and what was the injury again? I broke my hip. Yeah, normal stuff to happen. Very at normal 24, injury. Right? <laughs> so you know, it was kind of. I I'm not somebody that's like things are supposed to happen or there's a higher power. I'm I'm very much not that kind of person. But mm-hmm. I do believe that that injury happened for a reason, mm-hmm. and it was because I wasn't I wasn't dealing with grief, and so. Mm. And so it literally forced me to sit on a couch for three weeks and then sit in a wheelchair for three weeks and then be on crutches for three months. And so when you're alone with yourself that much, eventually you start to think about the things that you don't want to think about. And so for me, it was losing my friend Becky. Um, And so that was when I started, I was on a couch with a laptop and I've always been a reader. Uh, My, my undergrad degrees in journalism. So I've always been a researcher at heart. And so it's like, well, I'm going to just see what other people do after they lose friends or loved mm. ones. You know, let's just talk about it. And as much as I searched, I couldn't find what I was looking for in grief. Right. Which like I wanted to know what it's like when you're in your 20s to lose somebody yeah. and have it feel very unfair and you're angry and you're mad at the world and you're afraid because you've suddenly realized that everyone's vulnerable. I couldn't find it. And then I just was like, wow, grief is really taboo. Yeah. And nobody's talking about this. Um, and I had a lot of free time on my hands because I couldn't <laughs> yes, move around. Right. Yeah. So I sort of channeled that into writing about it. So I started writing about it. And initially, I didn't expect for it to go anywhere. I bought a domain name and I started throwing some posts up online. And I just thought, okay, you know, this is making me feel better. And if the only person that ever reads this is my mom, that's fine. <laughs> because I feel better pressing publish. And then people started to find it. Yeah. And so it... it sort of took on a life of its own which I definitely didn't expect right so like when during your research like we you said you didn't find stuff about that specific case like being in your 20s and dealing with grief did you find other like places people who are talking about it but just like at a different level I kept finding you know or, like the five steps oh man and it, yeah what did that look like to you like what I was just so frustrated yeah like I was like I'm experiencing every step every day because <laughs> because I think I it feels like in those situations, it's like you don't want to be told like what is going to happen. You want to be told how you have somebody else dealt with it. Right. For me, at least like I, I learn more from other people's experiences. them sharing their like brutal honesty about their experience. Right. Than I do from like, a, well, generally speaking, psychologically speaking, this is what happens. I'm right. Like, I'm like, huh? Or I found a lot of stuff that me. was like I was very angry and then I started volunteering. Yeah. I was very angry and I started praying and, and that oh, was man. just, that just wasn't me. Not that if that's how people find their path, like I think I, that's great. But for me it was like, okay, I was very angry and like I went out every night and no one was talking about, you yeah, know, yeah. sometimes that's something that you do or I, I was very angry and I shut out all my friends. I was very angry and I ended a relationship. I retreated into myself. And, and, and so I think there's this really, harsh side to grief and and i i was finding the like smooth you know this is really sad but 
every butterfly that lands on you yeah. is your lost one. And I think that's kind of one of the things that drives me crazy is people are like, oh, volunteer. Like, what is that? What is the process of you finding a volunteer opportunity look like? Because if that works, that's great. And I think it does. Uh, praying, whatever that is, like for whomever wants that. But like they don't talk about the actual physical process of going through that. Yeah. Right. This is how I found a volunteer opportunity. This is how I got myself out of bed in the morning. Right. And it's more just like, oh, you'll volunteer and it'll be great. Like right. that doesn't really solve all your problems. Also, like, what does that look like? And the I can't, other thing, like, I can't even brush my teeth without feeling sad. Exactly. Like, how do I do this thing? I was like, listen, I'm in the shower, like sobbing so hard that I'm not sure I'm going to get out of the shower. Yeah. I had to pull over on the side of the road because I was unsafe to drive, you yeah. know? And yeah. so that was what was hard for me. And, and the other thing that I kept finding was that nobody was writing about, okay, there are multiple ways to get through grief and mm -hmm. that's fine. You're going to probably try six of them before you find the one that works for right. you. And, and everything that I found online was like, and then I woke up one day and I decided to go to the animal shelter and I got a dog and the dog fixed everything. And I was like, okay. So I woke up, I tried volunteering. I tried praying. I tried running. I tried like being busy every night and nothing was working. And so for me it was writing, but it took me like four months and breaking my hip to find writing. Not mm -hmm. that I suggest that everybody break their hip. <laughs> skip the hip thing. You should skip that. Go straight to the right. You should writing. definitely skip that. But yeah. I think I think the message that I wasn't finding that I wish somebody had sat me down and told me early was it's it might take a few tries for you to figure out how to get through this. Um, and the other thing that I want to make clear is that I did not go to therapy right away. Mm. And that is one of my big regrets mm. is that I probably should have found somebody that knows how to talk about grief quickly. Um and at first it was the bravado of being 24 and that I don't need that and I'll figure it out. And then logistically, after my injury, it was just very difficult to get anywhere and I had to fit in orthopedists and physical therapists and I couldn't add another appointment. Um, but I think if I could, if anybody's listening, I, if I could add that caveat, it was that I probably like week one. Yeah. If I could go back in time and tell myself to do anything, it would have been to do that right away. Mm -hmm. um, because I still have moments where this loss is very much affecting my day to day and it's been three years now. And I think if I had started the process of healing with help, which I think is, you know, I wouldn't have tried to heal my hip on my own. Yeah. And so right. I think if I had started that earlier, it would have been a lot smoother, the, the whole process. So now that you've kind of gone through like a heavily traumatic experience, losing someone who's the closest person in your life, right at that stage, how do you prepare yourself for another loss that's inevitable, right? Because like loss is inevitable in this life. I know. Either we're going to go, somebody's going to go, somebody's going to leave, move, whatever, like you, the things you mentioned earlier. How do you prepare yourself? How do you, how do you deal with that? That you know that's going to happen. What do you do? I, mean, I don't think you can. No? I don't think, I don't think there's, I don't think there is preparing to lose someone that you love, but I think you take what you've learned and you just, you just know, you take the lessons you've learned and you just hold those tight. And so I mean, I had a very honest conversation with somebody that I love not too long ago where I, I was just like, I, I live in this fear that something's going to happen to you or going to happen to my mom or happen to my dad or my brother. And it's very scary for me. And, and it's just, okay, but yes, like I'm not going to sugarcoat it, right? Like mm. you and I could be walking down the street and a, like a air conditioner could fall. <laughs> and it's just, that's, it is what it is. And so I, right. So I've, what have I learned? I've learned that writing helps me. Right. I've learned that I tend to, not seek out help that I probably should. Mm -hmm. And so it's forcing myself to do that. Um, and I think a big part of the first loss for me was that it was the first loss. Yeah. And so I've learned that really hard lesson, which mm -hmm. is that nobody, nobody's invincible. Um, and, and I think, you know, I remember 
my dad said to me, he's like, I'll never forget the first young friend of mine that passed away because for some reason that feels different than a grandparent Mm -hmm. or, you know, somebody that like, while it hurts to lose them, you're able to find comfort and you lived a really full life Mm -hmm. and you knew you were loved and you had a chance to do a lot of things. And then on the other side, it's like, I love you and your life was just taken from you. And now I have to go through all this stuff where I'm like, okay, I'm about to be older than Becky ever was. Or, you know, if I have kids one day, it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm about to do this thing that she never did or things happen that I wish I could tell her about. Um, That's what's tough for me. The Mm -hmm. milestones are hard for me. And so I think if I, you know, when I lose somebody again, hopefully it won't be somebody that I'm like, wow, this whole life just got ripped away from you, you know? Yeah. do you define being in love so I think love is love for me is really interesting because I I consider love to be something that you feel with many people in your life and like I am I am in love with my best friends I am in love with my boyfriend but I'm also in love with my parents and so for me it's very much it's sort of this just deep connection that you're my person like you Mm. the way I think about it is something bad happens who do I want to call something good happens is that the same list the way that that Mm. list overlaps that's probably who I love um and that's and it's just about caring and I also think it's about showing up for people and one of my best friends Lindsay she has this saying that I love she says you show up for the people you care about no questions asked no you know well I have to work later like no like and and that's those are the people that I love are the people that if I called them at three o'clock on a Tuesday and I said, I need you to get to my apartment in the next 15 minutes and I need you to not ask questions that they would be here. Right. And there are people, there are like five people that I can name that I would do that for. And, and my friend Lindsay is so right. Like life is about showing up for people. Totally. And so that, that's how I define love is who shows up for you and who do you show up for? And it doesn't have to be romantic love. Um, but I think that act of, I will drop anything, I will get anywhere. I mean, there are people in my life that if they called me from Antarctica and they're like, I, like I max out your credit cards because I need you. There's not a lot of them. Let's make that, I'm going to make that very clear. <laughs> right. There's three, but still, yeah, but I would do it. I would, <laughs> I would and then I'd probably Antarctica. be like, can you Venmo me half of that plane ticket? <laughs> but the you know what I mean? Boat, it's about thing. showing up. That's yeah. how I define love. So I'm going to steal a, a question from Krista Tippett. She does this podcast called On Being, and she's amazing. And if you don't know it, you should listen to it. She's fantastic. At least give one one of them uh, a run through. But she asks, um, what makes you despair and what makes you feel hope? What makes me despair? Um, you know what makes me despair? When I walk down the street and somebody is struggling And everybody's walking right by them. Mm -hmm. And I don't like, is it an old lady that like is juggling too many grocery bags or is it a tourist that's clearly lost? Or is it a little kid that like may or may not be lost? Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of people walking by them with their heads in their phones or pretending not to see them or not. 
like that to me is just like come on guys like the political climate is awful mm-hmm. you know hey yep. people listening to this might not think it's awful i think it's awful it is you know i i'm a <laughs> yeah. big believer in you can't hide under a pillow so i don't avoid the news yeah you know i read the times every day it doesn't make me feel good right but i read it and I just feel like if we lose that ability to connect with other humans that we don't know to help other humans, that makes me despair. Yeah. What makes me feel hopeful are when you hear about genuine good. And you know, not to get really sappy, but who makes me feel really hopeful is my little brother. Yeah, how old is he? So he's, oh God, 24. He's 24. <laughs> Sorry, Christopher. He's 24. Um, he's one of those people that you meet and you're like, wow, I didn't know somebody this genuinely nice was left in the world. Like, how are you not jaded? Yeah, how, that's awesome. How has this not happened to you? And he uh, he's a police officer and he gets so much joy out of that. Yeah. He sent me this picture. This little boy was walking by his cruiser and was clearly staring at it. And so um, my brother's name is Christopher. He like brought him into the cruiser and they turned all the sirens on and he let the little kid play with the radar gun. And then they took a picture together. And I, I literally don't know who had a bigger grin, like my brother or this three-year-old that's kid. That's awesome. But it's just my brother is just a good person yeah. and and he just he has this deep capacity to care about people that I don't I don't know where it comes from. I mean, I do. My Our, our parents are wonderful people. But in terms of just being impressed by my brother, I don't know where it comes from. And the he makes me feel very hopeful. I mean, if, OK, so if there's one Christopher in my life, there's probably a Christopher in everybody's life, which means there's a lot of them. Right. And yeah. so that means that for every person that's walking by the kid that's lost on the street, there's at least one person that's going to stop because my brother would stop. Um, and so I just think people being good people, that's what makes me hopeful. Sweet. That's, that's awesome. I love the <laughs> idea of like, everyone has a Christopher. There's yeah. like a few people that he's I know. Got, oh my God, he's going to be so mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's like a few people that I know that when I talk about them, I'm like, this is like the nicest person I know. And there's oh. like a couple of them and I'm lucky to have them in my life. Yeah, my brother, and, like, listen, I'm his older sister, so let's get one thing straight. I'm way cooler than him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, and cool points go really far, especially in the family. But, yeah, yeah, he's he's an amazing kid. Nice. Not a, he's not a kid. Right, but to I know me, what you mean. I think we'll be, like, 80, and he will be a he'll kid still be a to kid. me. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And he'll hopefully still have that grin on that he had with the little boy in the Yeah, cruiser. I think he will. Yeah, that's cool. I got a good one. Oh no. Uh, in, in what ways do you hold yourself back? Oh man. In what ways do I hold myself back? I think sometimes I, I tend to let my fears about what other people will think get in the way too much. Like when you reached out about this, it took me a solid 24 hours to, I was like, Oh my God, what if that girl that was mean to me in high school, hears this, Mm. you know? And like, I don't, she doesn't probably doesn't remember my name. <laughs> probably. But it's just, it's just, you know, sometimes I tend to think a lot about, you know, how am I coming off or, you know, what, how is this appearing? Mm. Um, I think that is something that holds me back. And then the other thing is just. Wait, sorry, I want to cut you off, but yeah. I'm curious about how that, how that holds you back. Like what, how does that take its form in your life um, when you have an idea of like people might take this the wrong way? Like, what do you do? Do you just stop yourself or do you. Like what happens? How does that kind of formulate in your life? Um, so I guess the easiest example I can use is I'm a writer. So I'll mm. use like I'll use a blog post. Yeah. Uh, on my blog, I write or I, I did write. I'm not writing quite as much right now, although I want to get back into it very candidly about 
grief and injury and that whole process. And for a while, those were private posts. So the only people that could see them were me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one day I just decided, all right, I'm going to turn this on to the world. But it, sometimes I wish that I could just be the kind of person that, that hits publish, that doesn't have to think it over. Um, but I'm not. I'm, I'm a careful person. I tend to like yeah. turn things over in my head a few times. Not always a bad thing. Um, but sometimes I wish I was a little bit more. Maybe it's not about what people think. Me. Maybe it's just about spontaneity. Hmm. You know, I'm not very spontaneous. Hmm. I like to think that I am. But, you know, people talk about booking spontaneous trips or going somewhere with no plan. And, and it, sometimes to the chagrin of my friends and family, I am very much a planned person. <laughs> you know, like if you go on vacation with me, there will be a spreadsheet because yeah, right. we're not we're not going to miss one cool stop. <laughs> Um, okay, wait, on, on the, on the tip of plan, there's a couple of things I'd like to kind of chime in with one. If you don't know what Airtable is, you have to get Airtable okay. because it's the planner's dream. Okay. Um, it's like an Excel spreadsheet, but like you can do a bil- billion more things with it. It's sick. Awesome. So I recommend it. Yeah. The other thing is I was, I was a planner too. And I know that feeling of like everything had to be laid out or else what could possibly, everything is yeah. going to go wrong. And then one year, um, my band, we were lucky enough to tour over in Europe in 2012. And so after the tour, I had like intentionally left three days open with nothing, no plan. And trust me, it was hard. You know, you know how hard that was. I'm getting a little sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) And so I get over there and we like did the tour. A couple of the guys had to come back to the States to go to work. And then me and a few of the other guys got to stick around and they were like, let's go somewhere. And I was like, no, I'm going to play. I'm going to go travel alone. And it was the best thing that I've ever done. And it changed the whole course of my life from there on because I, because of the sort of serendipitous things that took place after that, right? You know, you talked about um, in your having your injury and like it took a hip injury and three, what, months or a month or however many months sitting at home alone to, to put you in front of yourself. And like, for me, it took intentionally trying not to plan and then executing that plan to not plan to change everything, you know? And so I would highly recommend, especially the summer's coming up. Oh my God. Maybe you and your boyfriend can shoot out of here. My mom is going to hear this and (laughs) she's going to like remind me of it every day. So she and I went to Paris together in summer 2017. Okay. I made a six tab spreadsheet. It was, (laughs) wait, how can you, how many, how how long were you there for? A week. Oh my, was it like a tab a day? No, it was like different things to do. So it was like shopping, breakfast, um, Cocktail bars, wine bars. I like that. I like the chocolate wine bars. shops, pastry shops. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I remember I emailed it to her, and she just emailed me back, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm not reading this. You can just tell me what we're doing every day." Right. Like she was just like, "No." So, so <laughs> what, have you put, have you tried to challenge yourself without making plans? Or are there any times in your life where you don't? Uh, I don't, I'm pretty bad at it. Yeah, that's okay. So I'll try and, it. Maybe yeah, I'll try it. Yeah. I don't think I have. Like I, it's all good. Like we're all who we are. But. Yeah. Like I'm just big on like maximizing my time and knowing what I'm going to do and especially when I'm traveling, right? Like I want to know that I'm not just going to, cause it's, I don't want to be the person that goes to Paris and like sits in her hotel room. Sure. Which I'm sure the worst thing that could have happened is that I would have wandered around for a while. Like I'm never going to go to Paris and sit in my hotel room, but I had always wanted to go. So I wanted to have a, you know, a plan, but it's, it's just so funny because so like, let's say, I think I literally just had this conversation with my boyfriend. It was Sunday and I was like, okay, well, you know, Friday I can't really do much because I have a long run because I'm running Boston. And do you want to hang out with me Friday night? And he was like, well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm not thinking that far ahead. And I was like, 
dude, it's like five <laughs> days. Of, what do you mean? I know what I'm doing 10 Fridays from right, now. Right, yeah, I know. know. And he like, it's just funny because he looks at me like I'm an alien. Yeah, I look yeah. at him like he's an alien. So maybe the best thing for us planners to do is to date somebody that's like, you need you need to chill. Yeah. This is not that big of a deal. I think so. Like, and like, I'll tell you Thursday night if I'm going to come over right. Friday night. You and know? it's and okay. It's like, let yourself be okay with that. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. so part of the thing with my, with travel, especially travel, that's a, I travel a lot. I have recently traveled a ton, but um, some of the best things have happened to me when I was planned when I had no plan at all, when you just go to a place and you wing it and you have the most wonderful, delightful experiences that you will never, you can't pay for, you can't plan. Yeah. And so part of the plan, when you try to see everything, oftentimes you see nothing, right? Because for, and, and I'm not trying to lecture you here, but like just the idea, it might sound like that, but the idea of like going to, I went to Rome. That was where I went on that three days by mm-hmm. myself. And I had met a band on that tour that we were just finished, we just finished who were from Rome, but I didn't know them that well. I emailed them. I was like, I'm going to be in Rome for a couple days. And sure enough, one of the guys hit me up and was like, Hey, I'm here. Let's get a drink um, at this little fountain in the middle of Rome, which is so dope. Rome's the best. And so we met and had a beer and he invited me over to his house for um, pasta. He was making um, vegan risotto with, for his girlfriend himself and her cousin. He said, come over to my place. And we had been talking about stuff like this, like planning and making sure things happen the right way. And I told him, this is my first time traveling alone internationally. I have no plan. And he was like, all right. He's like, I'm going to challenge you then tonight. You have to get to my place, not in a taxi because this is pre like Uber. Um, you have to get on the train, take the train to my place. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. Like I, I, I painted uh, myself yeah. into this corner. Yeah. <laughs> And sure enough, I did. I got lost, of course, but I finally made it to his place and he made this beautiful risotto. We had wine that was like local from where he grew up, which is up the street ish. Um, And I met these beautiful people. Then we went to a birthday party where I met a couple of women that I became really good friends with and then stayed with the next time I went. And now we're like all super, super good friends. All right. You're selling me on this no plan thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so like that's not going to happen every time. Everyone in my life is going to listen to this and send you (laughs) an edible arrangement. (laughs) Thank you. I'll I'll leave my address at the end. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But but it is like those things to me in, in my life that have changed the way I perceived plans right and i still am a planner definitely you'll ask my girlfriend she's like yo get out of the get out of air table for half a second um but but to a point there's definitely a point where the universe takes over and i want to find that balance between for me that between my encouraging the universe to take me somewhere you know what i'm saying yeah and it sounds like you're already kind of doing that you already have those experiences in your life where you've kind of come full circle and been like oh wow like i could not have planned this yeah so it's like yeah Anyway, sorry, that sounds like a sounds no, like no, me no. talking down to you. I, I no, it no, it actually at doesn't okay. at all. I mean, I think for me, like a big wake up was I just remember thinking like, wow, it literally took me breaking my hip yeah. to force me to deal with grief. Like that's not, you know, that's I'm not proud of that, but it yeah. is what it is. You know, yeah. it happened. But yeah. and so I think I learned like that I need to find these experiences that force me outside of my own head. Yeah. And, and hopefully there are ways to do that without, you know, physical. And- <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Or emotional pain. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, both would be great. Right. Okay, so the last question I have, um, which is the same I have asked of everybody, so you might already expect it if you've checked it out, but, and I have to forget the wording, it's been a while. 
You're actually my first interview in a long time that I've done. All right. It's been like a year. I took wow. a year off to find like a new career and all this stuff, which has been successful. All right. That's um, good. Yeah. So what will you miss the most when you're gone? Gone when I'm gone in general. Okay. So I'll miss, I'm just going to list stuff. Go. I'll miss really, really good food. Mm. I'll miss great wine. Mm. I will miss... Um reading a book and getting so pulled into the details that it's four hours later all of a sudden. I'll miss that. I'll miss watching the sunset and like laughing with somebody that you love. I'll miss music that makes you cry. Not just, you know, a sad song, but you're on the T and all of a sudden you don't know why, but you're mm-hmm. crying. Um, I'll miss laughing until my sides hurt. And... I'll miss the really quiet little moments that are unremarkable, but when you look back on them are the ones that kind of made up a whole life. Like, and I already kind of in some ways miss some of them, right? Like the, it's, you get older, it's increasingly rare that my mom, my dad, my brother and I are all Mm -hmm. sitting around a dinner table together and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be fancy, but I didn't realize it while I had it, that that was really rare. Mm -hmm. Um, And I already missed that. And so I think I'll just miss all those those little moments that feel very unremarkable, and then when you look back on them, you realize that they were, they were the most remarkable moments of all. Thanks so much for tuning in. Check us out at fivequestions.me. You can check out Elizabeth at ektrainer.com. And thanks to Fina Charlson for editing today's episode. Thanks all. See you next time. <laughs>